This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money to Me. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. And this is your Need to Know Wealth podcast where we make the complex simple. So we are back once again with our order pad episode. Let's be honest, it's probably our favorite episode here at Talk Money to Me because we are talking about making money in the markets, talking about stocks, investable ideas and exciting companies that have caught our eye. Woohoo, that's exactly what we want. So you're in for another great episode where Candace and I are actually talking about exciting large cap global companies, which we think are no-brainers for investors to consider. Now we're going to unpack the reasons why we like these businesses and walk you through their growth outlook for the next 12 months. Now, as our chat today is not considered personal advice, that's because even though we are registered financial advisors at Shaw and Partners, please note the podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice nor is it a financial product. So the content on the podcast is general in nature and you should seek appropriate professional advice before making your financial decisions. That's right. In fact, all companies discussed on our show are offered in good faith based on the facts that we know at the time, which is the 30th of the 11th, 2021, and do not contain all relevant information in respect of the financial products to which they relate. Okay, that's all done. So I'll start off the order pad this time. Um, now, my stock today is a company within the cybersecurity market. Oh, interesting. All right, wait. Before you reveal your stock, though, that we're going to add to the order pad, why don't you tell us why you're interested in the cybersecurity market in general as an investment thematic? You know what? I've been interested in cybersecurity for a while now. So if you look at the macro of cybersecurity, it still remains one of the most urgent issues of our time. You know, businesses, government, enterprises, small and large require solutions. The cybersecurity market is a $106 billion market forecasted to be over $200 billion growth opportunity in the next five years. You know, working from home along with political tensions has just accelerated the need for increased security with more and more sensitive data and critical information needing to be protected in the cloud. You know, here's some fun facts for you. There's expected to be 75 billion connected devices by 2025 and 6 billion connected people by 2022. That's only next year. You know, thus cybercrime will become increasingly more dominant. It's actually one of the fastest growing crimes globally. With hackers becoming more and more sophisticated, cybercrime is actually expected to cost the world $10.5 trillion by 2025, making it the largest economy after the US and China. That's massive numbers. So I'm just going to let that sink in again. So what you're saying is $10.5 trillion by 2025 is how much cybercrime is expected to cost the world. That's massive right that's pretty scary (laughs) yeah that's pretty scary and i think everyone listening has going you know that makes sense because nearly every other second day or third day you're getting a hack on your phone or attempt in your email right that's it all right so you've got my interest what's the company tell us more about this company that you're interested in 
Okay, so the company is called CrowdStrike. Now, the ticker is CRWD, and it's on the NASDAQ. Now, this is a company that I've been invested since the end of 2019, and we've been invested for our clients. You know, the company's fairly new on the public markets. It's actually only was listed in June 2019 for a price of $34 per share. It's got a market cap now of $54 billion. The 52-week high has been $298, and 52-week low is $138. So, this some big swings there, right, in this large cap tech. You know, it's currently trading around $224 and it's actually returned about 584% since IPO. Now, if you compare that over the last three years, the S&P 500 has actually returned about 84%. So it's outperformed the S&P 500. Hello, we love that. What did you say? 584% since IPO? That's... Amazing. Pretty good. <laughs> Not bad in three years. That's or two and good. a half, sorry. <laughs> so we know that you've been invested in this for a while, right? You mentioned that um, and it's done very well. So tell us more about CrowdStrike as a business. Like what do they do essentially? So they're a leader in the fast growing cybersecurity industry. We know that, which is producing new threats as a service, which I'll get into in a moment. They're a leader in the endpoint protection and cloud workload protection provided as a service through the cloud. So its platform protects endpoints on laptops, desktops, the internet of things, and others through several modules which utilize artificial intelligence or AI to stop breaches. Okay, so I'm a business, right, and I want to engage CrowdStrike as my cybersecurity team and service. So how does it actually do that? So like I said, it leverages AI to proactively search for threats and shut them down before attackers can launch destructive attacks. So CrowdStrike prides itself on being the first cloud-native endpoint security platform on the market. So consider this example, right, as a business. You've given your employee a smartphone um, at one of CrowdStrike's customers as an endpoint. If it's attacked by a virus, Falcon, which is their main program, not only stops the virus at that endpoint, but it also then uses AI to train the entire network protecting all of CrowdStrike's customers. This makes the virus ineffective when it attacks another employee who works for a different customer. Now, they've actually got some big names and household names that you would have heard of, Goldman Sachs, Credit Suisse and our local Telstra. Yeah, that's really awesome. So they're not, what you're essentially saying is they're not reacting, they're proactive in the cybercrime space, which is really cool because we know that cybersecurity literally is a threat to everyone. It honestly is. And look, recent attacks have made headlines and brought the issue to the forefront of national conversation with COVID-19, the evolution of work from home. You know, these trends have increased demand for this endpoint protection. Now, there's also a new threat. It's called ransomware as a service or RAS. RAS. RAS, yeah. And look, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. So, a customer simply logs into the RAS portal. So I wanted to send ransomware out, creates yep. an account, pays with Bitcoin, enters details on the type of malware that I wish to create, and then I click a submit button. So subscribers may have access to support, communities, documentation, feature updates and other benefits identical to those received by subscribers to legitimate SaaS products. That's scary. Yeah, the more sophisticated RAS operators offer portals that actually let their subscribers see the status of infections, total payments, total files encrypted and other information about their targets. So that's crazy. RAS is what we have to look out for now. I mean, the world we live in, right? Okay, so that's that's super scary and they're obviously addressing that crime. So now we understand the theme and a bit more about what Crystrack does to prevent this. 
you know, why else do you love it and you want to add it to the order pad? Okay, so number one, CrowdStrike has a powerful strategy of protecting against security breaches rather than a weak strategy of protecting against malware like most legacy companies. Two, they invest heavily to stay on the forefront of technology through innovation and acquisition. I'll give you a couple of examples. Recent acquisition of Secure Circle to expand their zero trust offerings. Okay, wait, 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 wait. What is a zero trust offering? So zero trust is a heavy focus of the federal government at the moment, and it's essentially a strategic initiative that helps prevent successful data breaches by eliminating the concept of trust from an organization's network architecture. Okay, yep, that makes sense. Now, two, they also acquired the larger Humio for $400 million. So as you can see, a lot of M&A and it's only been two and a half years listed. So they obviously have a pretty strong balance sheet, like right, a lot of cash on the sidelines for this M&A activity. So talk to us about the financials. That's it. So I guess CrowdStrike is on the front line of the battle for security and the results are really encouraging. You know, customers are still flocking to CrowdStrike for protection to the tune of 81% year-on-year increase in total customers. Now, CrowdStrike isn't cheap, right? It's a bit more expensive than other cybersecurity providers. But in this case, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you'd rather pay for quality. If we look at the numbers, $1.3 billion in annual reoccurring revenue, that's 70% ARR year-on-year growth. They've also got 94% subscription revenue, that is 71% subscription revenue year-on-year growth. You know, 13,000 subscription customers and actually 66% of them have over four modules, you know, and they're always improving on their gross margins. I guess one of the more important things that I want to see in a SaaS company is customer retention and expansion, which many analysts consider among the most important SaaS metric. Now, a little bit of background for you. The metric that measures both retention and expansion is the dollar-based net retention or DBNR ratio. And this number equals the beginning of period revenue plus upgrades minus downgrades minus churn, all divided by beginning of period revenue. Okay, so that's a lot to wrap your head around. Break it down. What does all that mean? A DBNR number greater than 100% means that growth from that existing customer base more than offset any losses from that customer base. So ideally, you want to see a company's expansion to vastly exceed the amount of revenue lost through churn. Now, a SaaS company producing a DBNR number of over 120% is considered an above average company. A number of 125% is considered a best in class. And Mm -hmm. any number over 130% is considered a company putting up truly elite numbers. Now, CrowdStrike has reached above 140% twice before in its history. In a short time, right? Two and a half years, three years. So Exactly. That's pretty impressive. Okay, and the balance sheet, is it looking strong in your opinion? It is. So CrowdStrike ended the second quarter with a strong balance sheet. Cash and cash equivalents increased to approximately $1.79 billion. Their current liabilities minus deferred revenues was $253 million. Long-term debt was $738 million. And cash flow from operations operations in the second quarter was 108 million with free cash flow of 73 million or 22% of revenue. So CrowdStrike really has a balance sheet able to fully support future growth initiatives. And probably also more M&A, right? Well, I think that's going to be one thing that they'll look out for. So that's it. this is really where we get excited. This is the part where you're going to reveal where do you see the share price going the next 12 months, you know, hopefully upwards skyrocketing. That's it. Look And look, analysts really take a short term view 12 months. I really think this is a five year play. 
day, five, ten, you know, plus years. So current price is two twenty four. You know, UBS price target is three twenty five. So that's about forty five percent upside. Now consensus price target is about three hundred and ten dollars, with the most bullish being three hundred and sixty dollars. And remember, this is a really short term view. So to summarize, I believe it's undervalued and really good long term buy for growth investors. One, it has a large and expanding TAM, $106 billion by 2025, fueled by powerful secular trends. Two, it's got first mover advantage derived from creating the very first cloud native security platform focused on protecting against breaches. Three, they're a category defining SaaS company in security. So similar to how Salesforce is a category defining SaaS company in CRM. Four, they've got several moats that protect against competition encroaching on their business, which is the network effect moat, economic moat, and switching cost moat. And Five, new products getting introduced to distance themselves from their competitors. Last but not least, six, the company's Q2 FY22 fundamentals are really strong. And it's actually the second consecutive guidance raise in its latest quarter. I think that really justifies the current valuation. You know, CrowdStrike is actually going to be reporting their Q3 FY22 numbers the 1st of December. So that actually should be out before this episode's released. So let's hope they're positive. (laughs) Yeah, definitely keep an eye out for those, especially because the market's come off a little bit. You know, it was a quick rebound. um, So it might be a good buy to pick up. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm really excited to hear about your stock idea, Candice. But before we do, I'm going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, so what stock are you keen on and want to bring to the order pad? All right, so I'm pitching, like you, a US company, which is also a large cap, and it's in the payments platform business. And I'm sure you've probably heard of it or maybe even used it in the past to purchase goods online. So I'm going to reveal my stock a little bit differently this time and mix it up a bit. So firstly, let me tell you about the history of the business and then the story of its success to date. And then I'm going to reveal the stock. So play along at home. All right. How fun. So do you want to start from the beginning then? Let's mix it up. So the company was founded back in 1998 by US um, tech 
entrepreneurs Peter Thiel and Max Levchevin. Back then, the company was known as Confetti, and the founder's idea back then was simple and efficient, and it was to convince customers to share their emails, banking and credit card information in return for fast, low-cost payments. So as a result, in the US, small businesses, online merchants and consumers, they quickly signed onto this platform. And the company was soon then handling more than $3 billion in payments from over 10 million individual customers and 2.6 million commercial customers within the first three years of operation. Wow. Talk about going from zero to hero at warp speed. Definitely warp speed. And if you fast forward to Feb 2002, the company then goes public on the NASDAQ and the IPO was a massive hit as the stock price soared over 50% on the first day of trading, closed around 20 bucks per share when the IPO was valued at $13 per share. And I think back then the market valuation was around 61 million USD. So very different to what it is now. Yeah. So what is the share price today? It's sitting around $187 US per share with a market cap of, drumroll, $220 billion. Imagine getting in at IPO prices. That's like over 1,000% return. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad indeed. And that's the name of the game, right? Find these incredible future-thinking, forward-looking businesses that are essentially solving an issue within their own market segment. Find them early and hold on for the ride. 100% early. So then 10 years on for this business, we're now talking December 2008. This company is hitting massive milestones for an online tech payments business. And it's boasting at that time to have over 150 million users or accounts worldwide. Today, if you read their reports, the company is now having 33 million merchants on the platform and they're selling to over 383 million customers across 200 different markets. So if you haven't already guessed it, I'm talking about today PayPal and the ticket being PYPL on the NASDAQ, which is a pure e-commerce payments business, which essentially enables digital and mobile payments on behalf of merchants and consumers, thus operating a two-sided network connection. Great. I love PayPal and I actually use it. So that's always a good thing. So do I. Essentially, PayPal generates revenue really simply. Firstly, transaction fees charged to consumers and merchants based on the volume of activity. So simply clipping the transaction fee. And then secondly, through their other value added services, such as the interest earned, you know, through their PayPal credit um, and other products out there. So their PayPal payment gateway offering. And so one aspect which I really like about PayPal is their history of reinvesting profits back into the business via M&A. And they've essentially bought up competitors in the space that they thought would help them dominate the online payments market even more. So similar to CrowdStrike, right? That merger acquisition. Yeah. It's about growth, 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 growth. Get a lot of volume and customers on your platform. Use your profits to then buy at the market to then be a mega cap, right? Mm -hmm. And it's done that over the history. So it's actually made over 25 acquisitions to date. The latest talk is their interest around acquiring Pinterest for 70 bucks per share. Side note. I'm obsessed with Pinterest. I, I know have, you are. You I have, have so, so many, so many pin boards. <laughs> so if you look up pins, um, P-I-N-S is the, the ticker for Pinterest. It's currently trading around $42. So they're really valuing that business a lot more than what the market is at the moment. So they definitely are. interesting M&A talk and I'll be watching that closely. So apart from the M&A investments, why else do you like PayPal? So there's a few reasons. I could go on for days, but I won't. (laughs) I want to really break it down to looking historically first and then secondly, 
the future growth that I can see. So if we look back at history, the company has a killer, killer track record of smashing their growth targets. So quick stats for you, EPS growth has been over 28% consistently for the last five years. And secondly, sales growth rate of 18.5% also consistently for the last five years. So these are successful, sustainable trends that I like to see. And more recently, right, PayPal generated record growth rates during the pandemic. It grew their volume sales up 31% in 2020 as lockdown orders, you know, forced consumers and merchants to transact digitally and through the online channels more so than ever. Thanks, COVID. It was a really great booster for PayPal. And I believe the pandemic has caused a structural change, in fact, in the consumer and merchant behavior. And it's actually led to an accelerated shift to the e-commerce and digital payments. You know, the concept of open wallet, it's here to stay, right? Yeah. I mean, what's that saying? It takes 90 days to make or break a trend. That's it. And I think I first saw that saying, you know, on how to quit a smoking ad or quitting sugar, right? So once you train your brain, that's just the new norm. Essentially, the data is speaking for itself here for PayPal. So according to a couple of studies, but the most prominent one is um, Euromonitor, the share of e-commerce as a percentage of the total global retail volume expanded by 300 basis points to 16% in 2020 during the pandemic. And for 2021 to 2025, it's predicted that the e-commerce sales CAGR is going to grow by another 12%. So that's reaching 21% of global retail sales volume by 2025. So we're just not going into bricks and mortar retail shops anymore. That's just done and dusted. So I mentioned the second part of why I like PayPal is looking forward now. So let's look between, uh, you know, 2020 to 2025, which is their major growth targets that they're announcing to the market. PayPal are expecting to grow their top line revenue by 27% CAGR during this time period, which is ahead of the medium term target that the market has for them of 25%. And this translates to revenue growth of 21% through to 2025. So when a company sets a benchmark and beats it, what, what normally happens? It gets rewarded in the share market, right? That's it. And we do love double digits. Who doesn't? And you finally, just one little quick point here. You also can't ignore that they're massively investing into their new growth investments and products to the business. So firstly, it's the buy now, pay later space, as I see super interesting for them, and the Vemnio ecosystem. Okay, cool. So do you want to explain for our listeners, what is Venmo? So Venmo is a mobile peer-to-peer app that allows users to transfer funds between each other. So let's say we're sitting down Felicity for dinner. This app enables users to pay at selected merchants. We can split the costs between ourselves and then walk out the door with a yummy tie in hand. That's great. Makes it easier than just transferring it, right? Exactly right. And so now through to 2026, the estimates that these two initiatives is actually going to contribute anywhere from three to five points or basis points to the overall revenue growth. That results in a total revenue CAGR of 21% that I keep going back to. So Venmo is estimated to actually add one to two basis points to the revenue bottom dollar. And in our view, I think the street or the market's actually underappreciating this contribution that Venmo and the buy now pay later space can add to PayPal out through to 2026. So I say that because, in fact, over the next kind of several years, the market and the business is expecting pay with Venmo will be one of the largest contributors to the Venmo monetization and revenue stream. And since the launch of pay with Venmo in 2016, 
you know, it was a bit of a shambles back then. It experienced a lot of functionality issues and difficulties, including stuff like it had a lot of consumer browser cookie settings and failures, and there was a lack of desktop checkout functionality. Well, since then, they've revamped the product and they've ironed out all those issues. Um, And it's so successful now from a consumer experience perspective that earlier this year, PayPal kind of shocked the market with an unexpected win and their partnership with Amazon. So starting next year in the new year of 2022, pay with Venmo can actually be used by customers to make purchases on Amazon. So while we believe this deal will have, you know, kind of minimal impact to revenue over the medium term, it should actually drive upside to our estimates and the market expectation. One little point more about Vimno that the market may have not fully interpreted yet, in my opinion, is that it offers a platform to buy, sell and hold cryptocurrencies, which they're clipping every time, right? There's a minimum fee of 50 cents per US and they charge a brokerage margin anywhere from 1.5% up to 2.3% of the fee each sale or purchase of a cryptocurrency. So essentially, PayPal are really smart here. They're just clipping every transaction pretty much that we make on online payments on our open wallet system. Yeah, right. So will this deal with Amazon be a game changer or a deal breaker for PayPal? What do you think? Yeah, very good question. And I guess based on our estimates and what the market's kind of signaling, no, initially we don't believe that Amazon will materially be impacted. Uh, this deal with you know Amazon and PayPal, it's not really going to impact the growth outlook. Let's assume, right, just for example, 20% growth in the Amazon US online sales market in 2022. So that means a total addressable market of about $460 billion in the US. But we know that the majority of spend on Amazon is actually generated by their prime members. It makes up about 80% of the US Amazon platform. So it's kind of unlikely for prime members to use Pay With Them No, right, a PayPal product, to make a purchase on Amazon, given these consumers are already in the default payment options in the Amazon ecosystem. So as a result, this actually leaves only 92 billion for Venmo to penetrate and really, you know, get into that market, Mm -hmm. which is not significant revenue. It's actually materially low, about less than 1%. Okay. So that being said, the Amazon partnership showcases that PayPal's ability to win these key marketplaces post the eBay transaction a few years ago now, this opens up the potential for new marketplaces wins. And look, when a big mega caps like Amazon and PayPal team up, I think it's a win-win in my opinion. Yeah. And so you touched on the buy now, pay later investment PayPal's made. Now, every investor obviously knows the afterpay story, but how exactly is PayPal in this space? So PayPal got into this space in 2020. So that's six years after the launch of Afterpay. And they offer two products. It's Pay in 4 and then Pay in 3, which are the PayPal's Buy Now, Pay Later products. Pay in 4 is actually available here in Australia, the US, France and Germany. And Pay in 3 is offered in the UK. Now, earlier this year, PayPal announced to the market that they're also looking at expanding to new international markets. They flagged Spain and Italy as well as Japan. And they brought up the acquisition of Payday. So good signs of more expansion into more markets. And what do you know, only recently in around September 2021, PayPal announced its intention to acquire Payday through M&A for $2.7 billion, which is a Japanese buy now pay later provider with over $1.5 billion in a run rate volume transaction rate. It's got 6 million users on this platform and over 700,000 merchants. So it's a massive boost to the PayPal scale game. 
And per PayPal, the deal is expected to close probably uh, by the end of this year. So we're definitely going to be keeping our eyes and ears open for that deal. Interesting to see what happens to PayPal's EPS growth in 2022. Yeah. And I guess unlike other buy now, pay later providers, PayPal doesn't actually charge the merchant incremental fees. Correct. So instead, it only charges its payment processing merchants through the take rate, which I think is a competitive advantage, you know, given that traditional buy now, pay later providers generally charge three to seven percent of the transaction amount from the merchant. So additionally, you know, kind of earlier this year, I think it was October 2021, PayPal actually stopped charging consumer late fees, which I just think is is a massive mover. Um, and it's increasing their attractiveness, in my opinion, to the buy now, pay later space. Okay, so buy now, pay later with PayPal, you're seeing a lot of potential there. Pretty much, yes, in a nutshell. I think it's because it's exciting to see their top line growth rate, you know, grow and expand. And that's because both with the greater consumer and merchant adoption in the buy now, pay later space, you know, it's just a trend that's here to stay. It's not a fad. And as well as the expansion into the new markets, like the the Japanese market, for example, the PayPal buy now, pay later products are expected to grow at 110% CAGR you know, making up 8% of the top line revenue growth or 11% of total revenue by 2026. So this is really kind of like CrowdStrike. It's a five to 10 year play. Um, it's it's just a kind of a no brainer in my opinion that they're just totally capturing more market share in the online payment space. Another game changer earlier this year, it was sort of a little bit missed by the markets in my opinion, but it wasn't a surprise to me when PayPal became the first foreign operator with 100% control of a payments platform in China. So that's a bit of a game changer, I think, because anyone that can crack that market, wow. Yeah, right. Whichever foreign payments platform can successfully crack the Chinese consumer market, 100% I agree. That is a game changer. Now, let's get down to the exciting part, what everyone's here to listen to. Um, You know, what do you see the stock price moving to? All right. So with the share price, we have coverage through um, UBS and they have a 12 month price target of $263, which is about 40% upside to the current levels. Consensus places a 12 month price target of $276.50. But the most bullish, you know, biggest call that we can see out there for PayPal is $345 per share. So that's nearly 85% upside. Yeah. Happy days, right? If that analyst prediction comes off in the next 12 months. I hope that happens. I mean, I'm in PayPal. Yeah, (laughs) so so am I. So go, go, go. Go to the share price. (laughs) So really in a nutshell, I think in my opinion, PayPal is a unique positioning payments platform ecosystem business because it's really adapted throughout the generations and the history of its life because it's got now a breadth of services and it's not just stuck in the old ways, right? It's become this open wallet, which is driving sustainable market share and gaining more market share in new markets that are exciting, like the Asian markets, Yeah, which all translates to 25% top line growth rate and 20% revenue growth rate on average out through to 2025. So, you know, you talked about it as well with CrowdStrike. They're just still in that aggressive growth mode, I can see with PayPal, because they're still adding more consumer accounts on average of 17% each year out to 2025. Yeah, but I guess with PayPal, you know, 
what's really exciting and interesting is they're more of a mature business, but you know they've been listed a lot longer than CrowdStrike, but they seem to be hitting these really exciting growth milestones and really expanding, you know, innovating. And I guess we kind of saw that with Amazon. We saw it with Apple, Microsoft. You know, this could be you know a huge game changer. So to summarise, we both pitched global large cap technology-based businesses that we think are fantastic, innovative businesses to add to your long-term growth investment portfolios. You know, if that's the investment objective that you're chasing. So you can check out these stocks on your Bloomberg app or just look on your watch list. So it's Crowd, C-R-W-D and PayPal, which is P-Y-P-L, both on the NASDAQ. And remember, guys, every stock we add to the order pad, it's also getting captured on the Equitymates website. So you can go there and check it out and see how they're tracking. And just to wrap with everything that we've spoken about today, it was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun talking about these businesses, but please remember, although Felicity and I are financial advisors at Shore & Partners, our conversation today does not constitute as personal financial advice. As always, before you make any decisions on your investments, you should seek professional appropriate advice. And feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email, which is displayed in our show notes below. Make sure you follow us on at Talk Money to Me podcast for daily market updates. Until next time. Ciao, Bellas. Talk Money to Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the host of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.